Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. On February 17, 2009, I wrote in my blog that I hoped Alisher Usmanov would have a stroke and spend the rest of his life dribbling down his many chins. I followed this up on February 18th by wishing him cancer of the face and expressing the hope that wild dogs would eat his anus. I now fully accept that these comments went beyond what would be considered good taste. On the advice of our legal team and having received official communication, I would like to take this opportunity to fully and unreservedly apologize for these comments. It was never my intention to hurt anybody's feelings, and for that I am truly, deeply sorry. What I said was utterly disgusting, and I am ashamed of quite how cruel it was. I hope that Those I have offended can find it in their hearts to forgive me, and one day the bridge can be rebuilt between Arsblog and the Society for the Protection of Wild Dogs. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast here on arsblog.oleole.com. It is another Friday, it is another Arscast, and I have to say I'm feeling in much better form this week than last. Much more sprightly, full of more vim and vigor and, and broadcasty goodness. So the first thing I should do this week is thank everybody for all the emails and all the uh, private messages via Ole Ole. Uh, thank you for your kind words and your suggestions. Uh, I've taken a good read of all of them. I've done my best to try and reply to every single one of them. But given the volume of them, I'm sure there are one or two that have slipped through. So if yours is one of those, please don't take it personally. I have read everything, and thank you very, very much again. Um, I, I'm still thinking about various things to do with the RSCast, whether to move it to a different day or you change formats. And a lot of the suggestions about changing formats, co-hosts, uh, are not easy to um, to bring in over over the course of one week, for example. Uh, a co-host uh, would need uh, somebody to be here. Uh, when I'm recording it, it's, it's finding that person and, you know, you'd have to do auditions. I could do like Arsblog Idol. Oh, there's an idea. Arsblog Idol. Right. You get to sit here and, and talk about Arsl for two or three minutes and then I can go, you know what? That was that was just terrible. That's the worst audition I've ever heard. Go back to your day job. Blah, blah, blah. Problem is with being in such close quarters, you're likely to get a punch in the snout. And I don't want that. So uh, those are all the uh, the various barriers that there are in terms of finding a co-host. But uh, who knows? Between maybe now and the start of next season, we can we can start thinking about that. Uh, hopefully, we'll have enough between now and the end of this season to keep us going. Um, coming up on this show, I will be chatting to Gunnar Hollick from GunnarHollick.com about all the various bits and pieces. Uh, Talk Shite Radio is here. Tony Adams has got some poetry and more. So... Um, between the last Arscast and this Arscast, there was an interminable wait. No football on Saturday. 
which makes your Friday worse, kind of. No football on Sunday, so your Saturday, you can't even read the preview in the Sunday papers, and then, so you're waiting all the time for, for Monday. Uh, but it was kind of worth waiting for, because the 4-0 win over Cardiff was the kind of performance and the kind of thing we haven't seen in, in I, I can't remember, was it 1997? It seems a long time ago since we saw a performance like that, and that many goals. My God, it's amazing how goals can lift people's spirits. And of course, everybody's spirits were even more lifted by Eduardo, starting on his return, scoring after 20 minutes, scoring a second goal. Of course, the downside is that um, he's picked up a little hamstring strain, but I think that's inevitable. I think you have to accept that as a fact of life when a player has been out uh, for that length of time, that he is, when he comes back, going to be more susceptible to little niggles. And it's only two weeks. Of course, we could use him uh, against Roma this week or next week, but, you know, he'll be there for the second leg, and maybe that's the most important one. Uh, but it was absolutely fantastic to see him back. Uh, you could see how happy all the teammates were for him when he scored. It must be so fantastic to come back and, and score within 20 minutes. Could could you imagine after a year out and it takes you five games or six games and the doubts that would creep into your mind, do I still have it? Can I still score goals? Uh, can I make the runs, you know, but to do it after 20 minutes, you know, must be just a, a fantastic step in, in his recovery. And obviously the very touching celebration with Tony Colbert, uh, who Arsene Wenger said, uh, Eduardo had spent more time with than his wife. I think he meant Eduardo's wife and not Arsene Wenger's wife, but, uh, it was, it was nice to see. Uh, and, uh, I suppose that gave everybody a, a lift as well. Uh, Nicholas Bentner got a goal. Robin Van Persie got a goal. Another chocolate-like goal and a 4-0 win over Cardiff. It was good stuff. They did give us a right game in the first uh, in the first leg. And people say, well, you know, they're rubbish. But, you know, they gave us a good go in the first leg. Uh, granted, some of that was down to the fact we didn't play particularly well. But nevertheless, credit where it's due. Defensively, we kept a clean sheet. So, you know, you can't really argue. Four goals, clean sheet, through to the next round, where we will play Burnley, who, of course, knocked us out of the Carling Cup this season. So there will be an element of revenge on the minds of some of the players. Obviously, uh, many of them won't have played in that game. Uh, but there will be some, and particularly maybe one big, tall Danish striker who might want to put that night in Burnley behind him. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it sets it up nicely for the next round of the FA Cup, which takes place either the 7th or the 8th of March. We're not sure exactly uh, when the game is on. All the TV stuff has got to take place and what have you, so we'll uh, uh, let you know as soon as possible. So, uh, to discuss more about Cardiff and um, Eduardo and, and the games coming up and all the other stuff that's gone on this week, uh, it's time to welcome our, our guest, and that is Gunnar Hollick from GunnarHollick.com. Hi there. Hi, thanks for asking me again, blogs. You're very welcome. Great to have you on. Now, um, I, I, I noted in my blog there last week that uh, I thought you might have a pound or two, or your pound at least, on Eduardo to score the other night. Um, he did. I didn't put any money on it myself in the end. I forgot, but uh, I'll leave that aside. It was great to see him back. Absolutely. Um, I, but of course, I didn't put any money on him either because I don't think uh, too many people expected him to start, did they? No. Uh, but having said that, he could not have started in a better game. I don't know whether it was um, the lift they generally got from him being back or whether the formation with Vila coming in on the left-hand side made a difference whether Cardiff were that bad or we made them look that bad. I think there was an element of both of those. But the performance was a world away from what we've been seeing for the last 
sort of month, six weeks really, wasn't it, where we've had trouble putting the ball in the back of the net. There was there was a purpose about the passing. We didn't give it away as much. I think that was the key to it. Um, we we held the ball a lot better and, and, and took the chances in the end. Although you wondered, sort of the first five or six minutes, I think there were four good chances that went begging and you thought, oh no, not another one of those nights. <laughs> it's amazing what a difference uh, an early goal will make in a game because obviously yeah. uh, the fans have felt all the frustration over the last, like you say, the last month or six weeks and you're waiting yeah. and waiting and the longer it goes on, the more anxious the crowd gets and while it's easy to, to sort of say, well, look, the crowd can be the 12th man, uh, when you're sitting waiting till the 89th minute for the team to score, it, it does get very frustrating. So to see the goal go in early, uh, I think gave everybody a lift, of course the players, but the fans as well. Yeah. Yeah, and let's let's hope that it's a sign that something they can carry forward now because there's no doubt that they got into a rut of although we're defending very much better than we were, um, they've got into a rut where this we've we've spoken before about the the difference in the style that the side employs now and what it used to perhaps two three years ago. It's much more about possession of the ball these days, and it takes them longer to move the ball from back to front and if you're taking say a dozen passes rather than half a dozen to move the ball forward then the chances of it breaking down are that much greater and I think we got into a rut where we were getting used to losing possession and then working to get it back and and things not going our way whereas hopefully now this will be the start of the run where we do start to play a little bit better and people the confidence comes back and we're knocking it around and you know, we couldn't have a better set of fixtures coming up. I made the point last week that I think we've got seven league games on a row that, frankly, if you want to finish in the top four, you certainly don't want to be losing any of those seven. And, and dropping points in them would probably be a little bit disappointing as well. But, you know, we'll see because we all know what's happened against some of the so-called easier sides earlier on. Mm, of course, uh, we won't count our chickens just yet. Uh, of course, we do have uh, an, an abundance with Eduardo back, an abundance of attacking options now. Um, Eduardo, Van Persie's in there. Bentner is beginning to find the net. Of course, Adi Bayor is out injured, but we've got uh, Carlos Vela uh, starting to, to break his way into the team. Arshavin to come into the team. Uh, Walcott on his way back soon enough. Um, who needs defenders? <laughs> uh, yeah, we do, I'm afraid. But yeah, it's picking up your point on the attacking options. And if you look at Vela, it was great to see him come in. There was a, it kind of gave a, a good shape to the side the other night. But again, it was only Cardiff. And, and if you're going to play him on Saturday or in any of the Premiership games coming up, who misses out? Because he's actually in, in an area of the park where... You're going to be wondering now, is Arshavin, as you say, ready to go in there? Is Nasri going to play on the left-hand side? That competition, though, cannot be anything but good for us. Uh, And I'm beginning to... uh, When you look at the options on the left-hand side and you start to think about where we've all felt we've perhaps been a little bit weak of late, you wonder whether perhaps either Arshavin or Nasri could now slot into the middle of the park until Fabregas is fit again. And then you can give a, maybe give a rest to Danielson or you decide that you drop Song out. And, and you, the options are there that I think may make us a little bit more positive going forward and give us those extra few goals. Um, 
We'll, we'll see, though. I, I'm not sure that Monsieur Wenger is in the mood to break up that central partnership, but I think most of us would like to see it tried, wouldn't we? Um, the other story, I suppose, the big story of the week was the fact that Alisher Uzmanov has now um, increased his stake to 25%, which gives him certain rights to block uh, various board things. Now, I don't think these things crop up very often at all, but it is a significant um, manoeuvre, I suppose, on, on his behalf. Uh, I think in times when when things aren't necessarily going as well on the pitch, um, people are a little more open to uh, to new ideas, whether that's uh, in terms of the manager or the board or, or anything like that. Um, but I don't think we should lose sight of the kind of um, of the kind of person that that Uzmanov is. Does his continued involvement in the club does, does it worry you uh most certainly does but let's separate the short term and the long term because short term there's not a lot we can do about it as supporters it's our our right nay almost our duty to moan and whinge and and create all sorts of a stink about we don't want people like him involved with the club and absolutely i mean that but if you're looking at practicalities in the short term the board have got to work with him now because he he has to, by right of that 25%, get some representation on the board. So, And I'm quite sure that over, over the recent months there has been dialogue between them anyway, even though uh, neither side would want to make that public because of the furore it would cause. And it's not in Usmanov's interest to use that blocking stake to upset the good work that's been done because that's just devaluing his investment. So in the short term, other than you'll see a new appointment to the board, I don't see any great changes. He's not going to throw any of his own money at the club while he's only got 25% in the same way that Stan Kroenke is not going to throw millions and millions in while he only owns 14 and a half or whatever it is he's got. But I think there'll be an, an element, they'll present the front and there'll be some stability. In the long term, I do worry. I worry because if he does get the 30% at some point, which isn't going to happen before next year, let's face it, because he would be committed to paying what he's paid in the last year if he were to have to bid now. And some of those purchases were around 10,000. The shares mm-hmm. are going for 77. So it's not going to happen for a while. But long term, you've got Danny Fitzman's chunk and you've got Lady Nina Bracewell-Smith's chunk, which are a bit of a concern. Danny Fitzman says he's in it for the long haul. But if you look at the practicalities, what what got us into this mess in the first place was the 1% that he sold allegedly to flush out David Dean. Why has he not repurchased that 1%? Because that would give a lot of people more of a feel-good factor about what's been going on in the background. There's still a suspicion. And long-term, no, we don't want Hoosmanoff having overall control. I don't really want him having a blocking stake. It would be great to think they can build the value of the club. Hoosmanoff's happy with the value of the, sh- the rising value of the shares and cashes in. But, you know, that's living in cloud cuckoo land, maybe. Mm, yeah, it all depends who comes along and buys that 25% then. Um, okay, yeah. well, we'll leave, we'll leave that um, fat ugliness behind us um, for the moment. <laughs> we'll talk about some football because it is a, it's, a, it's going to be an interesting week. We've got uh, Sunderland at home. 
this Saturday, mm-hmm. and, and you would hope that the team are going to uh, continue on where they left off against Cardiff. Not that I'm saying uh, Sunderland are as bad as Cardiff or anything like that, but we should use that result as uh, and performance as a way of kicking on. Well, you say that, and I, if you look at the Cardiff midfield, I, yes, they didn't really get going on uh, Monday night. But they, you know, they gave a really good display against us down at Ninian Park in the first game, and I thought played as well against us as anybody. And for the first half an hour there, really looked as though they were going to take the game. And if you look at, you know, the Sunderland midfield, hang on a minute, we're talking Andy Reid, we're talking Steve. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Oh, Bron, we're talking guys who were too fat for Tottenham who have kept Huddleston. <laughs> Is there anything really to worry about there? <laughs> well, let's face it, we know what Sunderland's threat will be because if they've got um, Kenwin Jones and Gibral Cece fit to play up front, then we've got a, a threat from set pieces where we have come undone. But, you know, seriously, let's look at that Sunderland side and say, you know, we must be, we must be picking three points up off sides like that at home. Mm. I understand away from home, they gave us problems, but at home, we ought to really have too much pace, too much inventiveness, and too much firepower for them. Mm, I'd agree with that. And then uh, Tuesday... Uh, a rather important game, um, the first knockout stage of the Champions League against Roma, who have been in fantastic form, but lost last weekend uh, uh, for the first time, I think, in eight or nine games. So uh, we can hope that that's um, a downturn in form for them at the same time as our upturn. Yes, and hope you're talking about two sides who are, um, if you looked at it in black and white here in February, would you be confident about either side qualifying for the Champions League next season? Both are hovering on the brink. So it's a, it's a vital game for both sides. Um, when I'm being bullish about the rest of the season, the two games that worry me in the next fortnight are against Roma. But at home, it, as long as we can get an advantage, if we can, if we can get a 1-0 so that there's no away goal and we can go out, I think we can go out to Rome and get a draw, but we do want to go out there with a goal behind us. 
I know we, we sometimes, when we face these difficult games, we say, well, nil-nil will be fine and we can go to Italy and win because we always go to Italy and win. Uh, one year, that's not going to work. Uh, let, let's let's get the goal. Let's beat them next week, please. All right. Uh, Gunnar Hollick, thank you as always for your time. We'll talk to you again soon. It was a pleasure. Thanks, blogs. Always a pleasure to have him on. That is Gunnar Hollick. Don't forget to check out his blog, please. www.gunnarholick.com uh, Pop over for a good dose of Arsenal and a, a little drink because he's good like that. He'll see you right. Uh, still to come, we've got uh, Tony Adams with some poetry. We'll be looking ahead to the Sunderland games a bit more and, of course, uh, the Roma game coming up in midweek. Right now, though, some talk shite radio. Ian, there's a delay on the North Circular Road due to a demonstration by members of the Church of the Latter-day Steve Perrymans. Drivers are advised to take an alternate route. We'll have more traffic news in an hour. Thank you, sexy Australian traffic girl. I'm going to pull up to your bumper one of these days, let me tell you. You are with Talk Shite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. One of the feel-good stories of last week was the return of Arsenal's Eduardo to first-team action. He scored two goals, but immediately picked up a convenient hamstring injury. Obviously, there are those that will say after a year out of the game through injury that you are going to pick up these little niggles from time to time. However, the word in football is that it's much more sinister than that. And with me to discuss it is annoying Scottish pundit. Welcome to Talkshite Radio. Thank you very much. Eduardo comes back from injury and just days later, he's got another injury. What's going on? Right enough, I'll tell you what's going on here. And don't let anybody tell you this is a nightmare for Eduardo or a tragedy. This is exactly what he wants, right? He sat around for a year, picking up his wages and doing nothing. He can get up in the morning, have bacon sandwiches, spend the afternoon watching Countdown. And he hasn't had to do a thing. And he's come back the other night, right, scored a couple of goals and thought, I don't fancy this, having to run around and get tackled, so I'm going to say I've got a hamstring injury, so I can get another couple of weeks off and pick up my wages. Well, that is an interesting theory, and it makes a lot of sense to me, but that first injury that he suffered a year ago was indeed quite horrific. Was it really, though? How do we know it wasn't an elaborate hoax? When you think back to the injury, remember, Sky Sports wouldn't show it. They said it was too disturbing. But why wouldn't they show it? I mean, it's no more disgusting than Robbie Savage and they show him for 90 minutes every time. And I know for a fact that Eduardo's father-in-law used to work for a man who supplied the latex to a Hollywood firm who do special effects for, like, B-movies. So there, you tell me now that there's not something more to this. Just when you think that Arsenal couldn't sink any lower, something like this comes along. This is Talkshite Radio. We're going to take a small break. Afterwards, we'll be discussing why the pictures of Cristiano Ronaldo felching Wayne Rooney set a good example to the kids of today. We'll be right back. Talkshite Radio. Talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. So there you go. We'll have more from Talkshite Radio on Arscast in the very near future. What else has been happening in the week? Or, or we can just talk about some of the stuff that has happened. Well, Usmanov, as we know, he's 25%. As Gunnar Hollick was saying, there's not much we can do about it in the short term and in the long term. Uh, that's where the worry is for me because he's increasing his stake and uh, whether or not he's going to make a takeover or not remains to be seen. But the more he owns of our club, the more anxious I am about it. 
Um, and some people say it doesn't really matter who owns the club. That you're still going to support the team and, you know, that's true. But it does matter. To me, it matters who owns the club. Now, I think it should matter to most Arsenal fans uh, who owns the club. That we have a board of directors, whether you agree with what they do or not, that uh, consider themselves custodians of Arsenal Football Club. And while they get paid director salaries, they don't take dividends. They don't go into these property deals uh, in order to make themselves rich. It's in order to enrich the club because any money that's made from those will go straight back into the club. For somebody to buy Arsenal, they're going to have to borrow money. Even someone like Usmanov. That money gets put on the club as a debt. Uh, And then in order to finance that debt, the profits uh, that are made, either by player sales or tickets or everything else, they go to servicing that debt. Now, I know we have a debt as it is. We have a brand new stadium, but that's a very well uh, and easily manageable, not easily manageable, I won't say, but we've got uh, good terms on that debt. And ultimately, we're paying off what will be an asset to the club down uh, down the years to come. Uh, Paying off interest on loans is of no benefit uh, to the club in the long term. So that's why I think we've got to be really cautious about uh, somebody like Usmanov coming in and, and taking over. Uh, and that's leaving aside all the other issues that I have with him and many other people have with him due to his character. So, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say on that at the moment. Um, so there. Uh, Bentner, he was in the news. Yep. He said he should play every game and he didn't know who Andre Arshavin was and uh, he was probably crap and uh, Bentner was the best guy in the world and he should actually be the king of the world. He should be the new messiah. And he should, you know... Take all the penalties, the goal kicks, the throw-ins, the corners, and everything. Turns out he was uh, somewhat misquoted, as you might imagine. Uh, A Danish article uh, was published some weeks back, um, which we did get a few quotes from uh, about a week and a half ago. So I was surprised when they re-emerged, but given the slant uh, they were given by the Daily Mail and others, it's no surprise they made a few more headlines. The official website published a story from Bentner, and he wanted to to set the record straight, and I don't think we can uh, really argue with that. Cesc Fabregas as well, he is back, and he's starting kicking the ball, or touching the ball, as Arsene Wenger says he touched the ball for the first time today um, hopefully with his feet uh, but he says uh, Sesk that is over the past few weeks I've only thought of my injury but now it's time for me to come back to the team I am the captain and I have responsibilities I have to be next to my teammates even if I'm not playing hurrah for Sesk I- I'm so 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 excited uh, that he's nearly coming back I can't wait for him to come back because uh, you know we need him badly we need him um but hopefully the, the number of fresh players that we're going to get back uh, towards the end of the season will do us some good because Cesc, uh, by his own admittance this week, by his own admittance, his own admission, I should say, uh, has been playing with an injury or was playing with an injury from the start of the season and that affects your form and uh, he, he needed a rest probably, he needed some time off and he's got that, albeit in uh, rather unfortunate circumstances. Uh, so hopefully when he comes back fresh and ready and fully recovered and rested, uh, he'll make a big difference. We've got Arshavin who's doing his preseason essentially, so he's going to be completely fresh. Uh, Walcott will be coming back with fresh legs. We've got Eduardo coming back or back and, you know, he'll be back in uh, full-time duty, I suppose, in a couple of weeks as well. So maybe those fresh legs towards the end of the season uh, will uh, will make the difference against tired defenders. We shall wait and see. Uh, before we look ahead to the Sunderland game and get some team news on that, uh, here's some poetry. Hello, Tony Adams here with another poem on the Arsecast. 
I know I said I wasn't going to do no poems when I was manager of Portsmouth, but I aren't manager of Portsmouth no more. It gives me time to get back to my one true love, Lawn Bowles, and also my second true love, counting how many times the word yeah is used in an episode of EastEnders, and then my third true love, Poetry. Today's poem is entitled Safe Hands, and it goes a little bit like this. Oh, David James, how quick you were to stick the knife in when I left. The only surprise is that you didn't fumble it, and it spiked you right in your big toe, you butter-fingered cunt. Thank you very much. Right then, team news ahead of the Sunderland game. Well, of course, the big news is that Ibue is back from suspension. Uh, Andre Arshavin will be involved, says Arsene Wenger. I have not decided what I will do with him yet. Hmm. Uh, Arsene goes on to say he is still working on preparation and he is not qualified for the game against Roma, so we can give him another week of hard work. At the end of next week, that will be three weeks with us and one week with Zenit, referring to his uh, preseason. That should be enough. However, it seems to me that there are only two options for Arsene Wenger uh, against Sunderland tomorrow for the right-hand side of midfield. Number one is, is Andre Arshavin, and number two is Emmanuel Abue. Now, I know Abue has his uh, fans, but I think if you were to do a straw poll, or any kind of poll for that matter, most people would want to see Arshavin play. Given the fact that Abue's antics and his behavior in the North London Derby cost us any chance of winning that game. So I still feel a certain amount of resentment towards Abue for that. Whereas I think Arshavin is like completely different in the sense that he's a good player. So I'd like to see Arshavin start. And if he, you know, can last 60 minutes or 70 minutes and we can uh, get on top of the game and score a few goals and then he has to come off and then if he must put Abue on, then I suppose we can live with that given the circumstances. But I'd hate to think that Arshavin will be on the bench and Abue will start. That would kind of hurt my head. It's a game we should win, though. We do, um, in my opinion, still kind of owe them one for the game at the Stadium of Light. Of course, we scored that last-minute equalizer. But, uh, again, that was one of those games this season that we that we should have won. Uh, hopefully we can build on the Cardiff performance, the Cardiff result, and, and uh, continue in a similar vein. And I think it's important that we do that because we've obviously got a very, very important game then on Tuesday night against Roma. First leg of the first knockout stage of the Champions League. Uh, no Arshavin, of course, because he's, uh, he's uh, ineligible. Uh, no Eduardo. And I don't think we'll get anyone else back from injury before then. You never know, though. You never know. Uh, so it's important that we uh, we keep the momentum going. Um, now that we've stabilized and we're beginning to, to score a few goals, hopefully we can do that against Sunderland and take it into the game against Roma. Roma have been in excellent form. So we're going to need our team to be as close to as good as this team can be uh, in order to get a result, and I think we will need a result, and we'll need a lead, I think, to take out to uh, to Rome uh, for the second leg. So that's it. So an exciting week of football coming up. A, fo- a 3 p.m. game on a Saturday, which is always nice, and then Tuesday night into the Champions League again. So there you go. Fingers crossed for, for good results in both of those. So uh, that's about it for this Irish cast. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'll be back... Uh, 
next week, of course, all weekend on the blog. In fact, I won't be all weekend on the blog. On on Sunday, you will have the, the pleasure of Tom's company. He will be providing you with your bloggy goodness on Sunday. So uh, be nice to Tom. And I'll talk to you uh, again on Monday then. So uh, until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hello there. I'm a wild dog. Might not look that wild, but let me assure you I'm very wild indeed. I do all kinds of wild stuff like... Like I'll do a poo in your driveway, or piss in your lamppost, or bite your child, or knock over your bin, and scavenge through and see if there's a Jaffa cake left or anything. That's how wild I am. I tell you how wild I am, will I? I'm so wild that one day I was walking down the road... And I met David Lynch, and he stopped me and he said he wanted to remake Wild at Heart. Because it'd be like a hundred times more wild with me in it. Because that's how wild I am. So if you hear any stories about me wanting to eat the chocolate starfish off some Russian guy, the only reason I'd be doing it is because I'm wild. Not because I like it or anything. So you better get that through your head. Because I know where you live. And if I turn up at your door, it'll be fucking wild. Fucking wild. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.